Well, what a joy it is to come together like this. Um, it's truly wonderful, all of us being together um, and hearing our voices sing praises to the Lord. I hope that you've been able to meet somebody new. I, I know doing the name tags thing might be kind of outside of your comfort zone a little bit. Maybe you want more anonymity. I don't know. But I, I've had conversation after conversation uh, with individuals where I, I say, oh, do you know so-and-so? And they've been coming for years. They're a member of our church. And it's met with, I don't think I've met them before. It's like, oh, that's right. Because they go to a different service than you do. <laughs> and a lot of times that's really all that it is that might hold us back from really getting to know each other well. We're really investing in each other's lives is just maybe meeting together uh, here today in this combined service that we have. So it's a great privilege that we have to be together. What an opportunity and what a great, I think, change, unifying change for the glory of God that this can be if you are willing um, for this to be a unifying Sunday morning. So we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. And it's no coincidence that God has us here in this passage on this Sunday. It's no coincidence that God has us in any particular passage on a Sunday. So I want to make it clear that every, every other Sunday that we're, we're preaching a message is not just random. And that this is the only one that might pertain to us. But it's, it's amazing. As I finished uh, my section of preaching in January, we had no idea that this is what we were going to be doing uh, this June 2nd. I didn't know how long I would preach in the various verses. But yet God and his sovereignty... According to his will, he had me preach, yes, last week on citizenship being in heaven on Memorial Day weekend. Isn't that fitting? That God would organize it that way? And then that God would organize it this way, too, for us to be talking about agreeing in the Lord on a day where we're now all together. I don't think it's a coincidence at all. And so let's, as we open God's word, let's also open our hearts and say, okay, God, what do you have for me today? What do you have for me this morning? Let's look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clements and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Let's pray. Lord, help us this morning. We need your help for our hearts to grow and change, to become more like Christ, for us to maybe think of that person that we might need to go to, to reconcile a relationship. Maybe it's to, that we need a change in just a drawing unity, even as we learned in Sunday school, about how we can unify together to build up this body of Christ. Help us to learn and grow because of your word this morning, and to love one another as you love us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, we're going to be looking at how we can and must agree in the Lord. We can and must agree in the Lord. Now, that phrase, in the Lord, we'll get to in a minute, but that's the important crux of how we can and must agree. We first learn in verse 2 that we need to reconcile our relationships. As much as we are able, we need to reconcile the relations that we have in Christ. I saw this verse in two different commentaries I was studying for this passage, um, so there might be something to it. It goes like this. It says, to live above with the saints we love, oh, that will be glory. But to live below with the saints we know, well, that's another story. 
Ooh, right? How true is that? Right? Because to live above when we're in heaven, there's not going to be any sin. So we won't have any problems. So that's just going to be a wonderful thing. But until then, oh man, we might have some issues. We might have some problems with one another. We might have words like this where it's said publicly that we might need to be agreeing in the Lord. It's difficult when we have these sinful hearts. It's difficult sometimes to get along with each other. But he says he entreats Yudia and he entreats Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Let's think together how this would have played out. We don't know what Yodia and Syntyche were disagreeing about. But we know it must have gotten so bad that Paul was told about it. Remember, Paul's all the way in Rome. He's in prison. And yet Epaphroditus is probably the one who went and told Paul about this. We must have known. We must know that the church has known about this as well. For Paul to be telling them about this in the letter that was written to the church, they must have already known all about it. And for Paul to feel it necessary with the authority that he brings as an apostle to say something about it publicly, this must have been some disagreement. Now, what do you think about this? Do you think Paul should have been told? Was it really any of his business? It's just the two of them. This is between them. Why is Paul brought into it? Would Iodia and Syntyche be justified in hating Paul for calling them out publicly? What would you think if Paul, of, of, what would you think of Paul if you, these were your names? If as they were reading this letter aloud, they're saying, you know, I encourage you to stand firm in the Lord and here's how you follow and press on after the Lord and then I'm going to bring up your names in front of everybody in the church, that you guys need to be agreeing together. What would you think about it? <laughs> I'm sure we're fine with it since it's not us. But if it was us, we might have different feelings about this. But Paul's urging, as we see here, is that he's entreating, he's urging, he's appealing to both Iota, Iodia. I'm going to get these names all messed up. These are tough to say, okay? I'm not even sure if I'm saying it right, but as long as I'm confident, we'll go with that. Iodia, and he's also entreating Syntyche. So it's on both of them to begin agreeing in the Lord. Since he mentions both of them by name, it's not just one person's fault here. We see that both have issues together and they need to begin agreeing in the Lord. Now, why do you think two believers having a disagreement is important enough to tell it to the entire church? Important enough to have it written down in Scripture for all of us to know about it. Couldn't they just say, this is between us, we'll work it out, you don't worry about it. Why does Paul have to get involved? Now this isn't the per first time that Paul has been involved in calling out individuals publicly. He mentions to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.16, he talks about Hymenaeus and Philetus who were babblers. And here's what he says about them. He says, but avoid irreverent babble for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. And then he names those two individuals. What a thing to be said of someone. Can you imagine having your name written down in scripture that will be passed down from generation to generation that everyone will know that you are someone to be avoided. That someone like you is someone that will lead other people into ungodliness. This is pretty harsh. This is pretty bold. 
And the reason why he's doing this is because of how important it is for these two to agree in the Lord. It's not just random. He's not just being mean or harsh. He's actually saying this because it will benefit the body of Christ. We have two names literally written down in history for having some sort of discord or division. This is a very serious thing. The reason why others need to hear about this, why others need to get involved, is because their disagreement has to be hurting the testimony of Christ and the testimony of their church. This disagreement must be getting to the level where people outside the church are looking in and seeing that they are just like everybody else. There's nothing special about these people. They're arguing about all the things we're arguing about. They can't get along with the people they're around. Neither can I. What's different about them that's different about us? I want you to turn back with me to Philippians chapter 2. Just a page or so. Let's look at verse 1 and 2 together. Let's look about how important unity is in the body of Christ. Why he's calling out these individuals. Why it's so important for them to call them out because it's hurting the, the testimony of Christ. In verse 1 he says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being of full accord and of one mind. And then in verse 5, it says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Having that same mind, having the unity of mind that shows off to others who are outside the church, it shows off to one another that we are united together in Christ, in the gospel. When we argue and fight with each other, we forget how Christ has brought us together. Now, does this mean that we have to agree about everything? Yes and no. Can we dis disagree on how to use, this, use the finances in our home? Can we have differing thoughts on where to work? Can we have different opinions on maybe having one service or two? Yes, we can. The question is though, is your, are, your disagreeing, are you disagreeing with the humility of Christ? Are you disagreeing with this mind of Christ, with this unity of mind to build up the body of Christ? In your disagreement, are you helping others to become more like Christ? Are you pressing on to become more like Christ even in your disagreement? We must not disagree in a way that causes division in our church. As soon as our disagreements are impacting our unity in the Lord, they need to stop. Look what he says to Titus. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. That's really harsh language for someone who will cause division in the church. Remember, this is beyond just having a different opinion. We all have different opinions about a lot of things, and that's fine. But this is allowing those disagreements to consume their hearts and your minds and bringing these up to others to stir them up and to causing them to take sides between you and another church member or you and another church leader. A good question to ask in your disagreements is this. 
will my disagreement, my comment to this person, will it build them up in the Lord? Will it build up my friend in the Lord? Will it build up and encourage my deacon in the Lord or my pastor in the Lord? A few months ago, we had an opportunity, Pastor Kyle and myself, uh, to meet with a couple members of our church who had a disagreement with us. It was a wonderful and glorious thing. What happened was because they came in and shared their disagreement with us, we talked through it. We both shared how we could work better and we could do a better job in different areas. And guess what? We love each other. <laughs> After we talked and worked through that relationship and disagreements, we love each other and we're serving alongside one another for the glory of God. And praise the Lord. That's exactly how it should work, right? I'm sure there are situations where disagreements and it can cause, and if you don't take care of them in a way that pleases and honors God, it can fester into anger and bitterness and things like that. But praise the Lord for somebody bringing up a disagreement and humbly saying, hey, let's work on this together. And as we do that, we can glorify God in our responses. That phrase, in the Lord, is what makes all the difference. It's a small phrase, but it's the difference between causing division in the church and building up the church. It's a great thing to say to a brother and sister in Christ that you may be disagreeing with. You may say, now I may not agree with you on that, but I'm with you to help you grow in the Lord. I don't think you handled that correctly, but I'm going to point you to God's word. Let's, let's grow in this together. Do you see the difference between that and just saying, I think you're wrong and I hate you because of it? <laughs> the difference is your desires. Disagreeing on a subject, but agreeing always together that we love each other in the Lord, that we're unified in Christ, that we love Jesus, that we're going to press on together for the glory of God. Now, I'll tell you what I've seen in the last 10 months as we've been without a senior pastor in almost 11 months now. I've seen this transition time bring many of you together in unifying with one another, knowing that this is a difficult time in the life of our church. I've seen some of you band together and give so much support to the deacons and us pastors, and we are so thankful for that. Stepping up to provide extra help, even when there might be a disagreement on an issue, there's much agreement in the Lord. Has that been you? Could someone accuse you of this verse? Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Could somebody say that of you, that your words build up, that they give grace to those who hear? The two greatest commandments that we have are to love God with everything and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. John 13, 34 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are to love one another. What an amazing challenge, even for Yodia and Syntyche, to agree in the Lord, to remind themselves of this truth that they are to love one another in a very specific way. What we're going to be celebrating here as we remember communion in a little bit. Love each other in the way that Jesus loved us. That's how they are to love each other. That's why whatever the disagreement is between Yodia and Syntyche, we don't know. Whatever it is, they have the ability to agree in the Lord. They have the ability to love one another because Christ has loved them. But the longer that this argument went on, this is why he addresses it, the longer it goes on, the longer it hurts the name of Christ. Because Paul sees the importance of resolving conflict. And he even goes 
further to command one of the leaders in the church telling them that you need to help them. They're obviously not getting along. So you need to come alongside them. You need to help them to reconcile. Most conflict usually goes this way. I'm upset because maybe something you did or said, and so what am I going to do? I'm going to go to somebody else to tell them about it, right? About how upset I am. Can you believe they did this? Can you believe they said this? We almost always bring in a third party, don't we? But why do we bring them into it? Do we bring them into it just so they agree with us? Just so that we can stew together about how bad that other person is? Or are we bringing them in for this purpose as we see in verse 3? He said, I ask you, true companion, to help these women. It's to help them to agree in the Lord, like I said in verse 2. That's the point of bringing in that third person. When you're struggling in a relationship with somebody, sometimes you might need to bring in somebody who will point you back to Christ and help you reconcile in the Lord. We don't know exactly who this true companion is. We do know he's another fellow worker. Could possibly be the person who's reading the letter out loud. But he does know these individuals. He knows the situation going on. And he knows that these individuals have labored alongside with him. That's the encouraging thing from Paul in this letter, too. He's not totally condemning Eodia and Syntyche, right? As he goes into verse 3, he says, these are two women who have labored alongside me with the gospel. He knows who they are. They have talked about Christ together. They've shared the gospel with other people together. He knows and acknowledges that their names are written in the book of life. He's like, these are two people who know Christ. It's like, maybe you need to help them to start agreeing in the Lord to remind them of who they are in Christ. One of the best examples that we are given in Scripture about how to resolve conflict is Matthew 18. Right? If your brother in verse 15 is your brother sins against you, go to them and tell them his faults between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Right? So if the other person sins against you, it's not on them to come talk to you. It says you go talk to them. Right? If they're in sin, that means they're not really living for the Lord. Are they going to come to you? Not usually. We pray that God works in their heart after they sin, that the Lord convicts them of that and they would go to you for forgiveness. But he says you go to them. That's the first step. The first step is not bringing in a pastor. It's not bringing in this true companion. He's like, they need to agree in the Lord. They need to work this out together as sisters in Christ. But if they're unable to do that, then yes, you need to go and help them with it. And that's what we see in verse 16 of Matthew 18. It says, if he doesn't listen, take one or two others along with you. So the goal of that third party, if we're going to bring somebody else into it, that goal of that person is to point you to Christ. That's their purpose. It's not to um, take sides one or the other. The point and goal of that person is to only point you to help, help you to love each other in Christ and help you to love the Lord. And that's what Paul is doing. Paul is already acting as this true companion should act as well. He's confronting Eodia and Syntyche and saying, hey, you guys need, you ladies need to agree in the Lord. He's already sharing that with them as they are fellow workers of the gospel. He loves them enough. It's no coincidence that he says in verse 1 of chapter 4, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, my beloved. And then he says, you girls, you ladies need to agree in the Lord. He says this because he loves them. Not because he's trying to be harsh or mean, 
but because he wants them to show off this unity in Christ. How even if they disagree about something, they can agree in the Lord. They can and they must. Either way, this division is going to be brought together. Either they are going to confront it. Maybe it's something they might need to cover in love. Either way, they need to be brought together so they don't allow this conflict to fester into bitterness, into anger. It's the mark of a believer who wants to reconcile. That's what a Christian does. They want to be reconciled. It's truly what sets us apart from other people. It's because reconciling relationships is the most ideal picture of what we have with Christ. What has Christ done for you? He has reconciled you with him. Let's turn our Bibles to Romans chapter 5. As we think about this, and as we lead up to communion, and what, again, how God worked this out so perfectly. We see this picture of two individuals that need to be reconciled, that need to agree in the Lord. And here we have this great picture in front of us of what Christ has done to reconcile us to himself. Forgiveness sought and granted, the relationship becoming close with one another. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. For while we were still weak, let's look at the two relationships here, who Christ is, what he has done, and us, our end of it. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though for perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more. Now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Scripture says that we were the weak ones. We were the sinful ones. We were the enemies. It was all on us. We were the ones who tore apart that relationship between us and God with our sin. But yet God shows his love in sending Jesus Christ to be that ultimate sacrifice so that we can be reconciled to him. Isn't that remarkable? Isn't that amazing that Christ would do that for his enemies? It says, love one another as I have loved you. There's a relationship that you can think of that needs to be re reconciled with another brother or sister in Christ. This is the picture. They might be the enemy in this situation. You might have a, a friction in your relationship, and it might be all on them. But how did Christ love? It was all on us. We committed all the egregious sins that we could think of, and yet Christ loved us and sacrificed himself to reconcile us back to God. So even if it's all on the other person, for us who are Christians, we are to reconcile those relationships in Christ. We are to agree in the Lord. And this is why it's so vital to a local church that says we all believe this. We as a local church believe that Christ has reconciled us to himself. And we show it and live it out in our unity. 
in us reconciling our relationships with one another. We might have different ideas about things, uh, different ways that we would go about it, but guess what? We all can agree in Christ. We can agree in the Lord. Now this communion is for those who are in Christ, who have been reconciled. And you might think, this isn't me. I don't, I don't think I've been reconciled with the Lord. I want to encourage you to talk with me afterwards because you need to have this reconciliation with Christ. That is the foremost relationship that you need to be right with. But this Lord's Supper is designed to bring unity to a local church as we remember the sacrifice that Christ made. It's where we all gather around together and remember the most important thing about us. We remember Christ. We remember his sacrifice for us. We remember that even as we look around the room and we might see some differences about us, as we're eating, partaking together as one, as we're drinking together as one, we see unity in the gospel. We see agreement in our Lord, and we can rejoice in that. That's why we can and must agree in the Lord. It is possible for all of us to be in agreement in Christ. Because he has reconciled us to himself, so we can reconcile with one another. Let's pray. Lord, we're thankful for this great gift of reconciliation. Not just that we can have a relationship with you, but we can even work on our relationships with one another. We can love each other like you love us. We have that ability in Christ. We can see differences, but yet still agree in the Lord. Still have unity. Still love each other in Christ. Help us to do that. Change our hearts. If we're at fault in a relationship, help us to go to the person, seek forgiveness, and seek reconciliation. If somebody else is at fault, Lord, pray, help us, help me to go to that person and again, seek reconciliation. Thank you for helping us in Christ. Thank you for giving us this ministry of reconciliation with one another. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.